0: Is this working? Come on. Okay, great. Hello, friends. How are you? Good. Well, as Jason said, my name is Logan, and I work here. And he pretty said my whole intro for me. Um, If you know anything about me, or you've met me at the house, my absolute favorite part of this job is reading the Bible with you guys. Um, It's really wild to me that I actually get paid to do what I love. Um, Not many people get that opportunity, so I'm really grateful. Um, I am leading drop-in Bible study this Friday, 10 a.m., top level of the UC. My shameless plug to come join me. Please do. It's going to be awesome. Um, but uh, I'm just overwhelmed by the opportunity to get to, to talk to you guys about the Bible today and to preach to you. Um, Most of my my five years of college was um, learning how to public speak. And so that makes me even more nervous because I feel like I have an opportunity to do it now. Um, But I felt a long time ago that the Lord actually wanted me to be on a stage and and teach the word of God. And so this feels like a long time coming to be in this space and to actually talk to you guys. Please don't have too high of expectations. Just kidding. Um, I have high expectations. But um, I'm really, really excited to be with you guys. If you've been with us for the past few weeks... Um, you know that we've been reading through different encounters with Jesus. Um, So many of us have ideas of Jesus that have been formed and conditioned by the culture or by our own experiences or wounds that may not be true representations of who he is. So our hope in reading through these interactions is that you would actually come to know the true person of Jesus as he's revealed in his scriptures. Our scripture reading tonight comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And we will be looking at this crazy moment in the scripture where Jesus actually walks on water with his friend Peter during this terrifying storm. Um, I know I say that, and you're not feeling the weight of it. It's really hard to get on board with that, but Jesus walked on water, and it's wild, and I think it's intended to blow our minds. We can't actually fathom it. I think that actually makes it more beautiful. Um, But I hope it does blow your mind, and I hope it continues to blow your mind as we walk through it today, tonight. So to give you some context, Right before this encounter with Peter, Jesus wasn't with his disciples. He was actually getting some quiet time before the Father after a long day. He planned to meet his disciples soon, but he wasn't with them yet. He had sent them in a boat ahead of himself, and they were alone. And that sets the scene for the first part of our scripture tonight. But before we get started, if you would please pray with me. Father, I ask that you would open our eyes to see your glory, that you would allow us to know your magnificent character, that you would fan the flames of our love and strengthen our faith. I ask the words of my mouth and the meditations and thoughts of each one of us would be holy and acceptable in your sight, Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, if you would, they said that they were going to send you a link. So if you would follow along on your device or your Bible, that would be awesome. We're going to be in Matthew 14, verses 22 through 23. Starting in verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Okay, so right from the start, there are two things that I want you to notice. First, is that Jesus intentionally sent his disciples into a terrifying storm. They were about to be caught in the midst of absolute chaos. Not because they disobeyed Jesus, but precisely because they obeyed him. Think on that for a second. Really think on that. It's because of their obedience to Jesus that they'll actually be caught in a storm. Maybe instead of believing that one, if we have Jesus, we won't face storms, or two, that if Jesus is present, that if we have Jesus, he can't be present with us in our storms, that we can see this story creates for us a different category, and that is, that Jesus sends the ones that he dearly loves into a storm intentionally. It's with loving intention and purpose that Jesus sends them ahead of himself into a night full of fear and chaos. Now, I'm not sure how that sits with you guys. It doesn't sit with me well at first. Um, But please know that it is, in fact, like God to send the ones that he loves into storms. Secondly, I want you to notice that it says that Jesus was alone and he was praying. He retreated from a crowd, and he spent time in prayer alone after a long day. And this shouldn't just be something that we marvel at, which we should. We should marvel at the fact that Jesus found quiet moments to be before the Father in prayer. But it should also set an example for us, right? Jesus, who had all things, prayed. And therefore, so should we. Continuing on with verses 24 and 25. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. All right, this is so wild. It's so wild. The fourth watch of the night would have been about four in the morning. So the disciples were sent out after dinner time. It's now 4 a.m. They haven't slept, and it's storming like crazy storming, wind and waves up against that tiny little fishing boat that would have been monstrous. And the disciples have been battling the wind and the waves of the storm for hours upon hours. They would have had to have been absolutely exhausted. And as he said he would, Jesus comes to them. And he's walking on the chaotic, terrifying, stormy sea. Like, can you imagine You're caught in the middle of the storm. You're in a tiny little fishing boat with 11 other people. And you're scared for your life. You're absolutely terrified for your life. You have no shelter. You have no cover. And you see the figure of a man walk towards you. They thought he was a ghost, wouldn't you? It's crazy. And it's probably intended to blow our minds a little. Verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, "Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid." Okay, do you see this? Jesus immediately speaks to them in their fear. He calls to them from the middle of the storm, not outside of it. And this is what he says. If you'll move to the next slide after the verse on your devices. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Some of you need to hear tonight that God is able to speak to you from within your storm. God is able to speak to you from the thing that terrifies you and robs you of rest when you lie down at night. So what terrifies you? What keeps you up at night? Friends, the unanxious Jesus comes to them walking on top of this storm that they were absolutely terrified of and commands their anxieties and fears away. If you were to hear the voice of God speaking to you tonight, do you know what he would sound like? Could it be that it may sound something like this? Take heart, it is I, I, Don't be afraid. Now, he may not be saying those exact words to you. He said those exact words to them. What's most important is that you notice how Jesus speaks to his friends when they're afraid. And this is how he speaks to them. He tells them to have courage. He says, take heart. But he doesn't stop at take heart. He says, take heart, it is I It's implied that they can have courage because he is with them. And then he tells them not to be afraid. He doesn't want them to be afraid of him. He's commanding their fear away, friends. He doesn't want them to be afraid. Verses 28 and 29. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. So Peter, mixed with doubt, asked for a command. Peter isn't completely sure it's Jesus yet, but he knows that if it is Jesus, that he can trust his word. He asks to do the very thing that the Son of God is doing, the very thing, and he's welcome to participate. How many of you aren't asking big enough questions in a relationship with Jesus? It is true that he offers us an entire kingdom and all its resources. And so many of us are continuing to live as though we're orphans. Jesus doesn't respond to Peter with, How dare you ask to do what only I have the power to do? No, he says, Come. He says, Come. And Peter does. He trusts in the word of Jesus. He risks his life, in fact. How crazy is that? Something significant is happening here. He crawls out of the boat into the raging storm, the thing that's absolutely terrifying him, and can quite literally kill him, and he walks to Jesus on top of the water. Please hear this tonight, friends. Jesus does not require robust faith to do miraculous things. All he needs is a willing heart. He can work with faith as small as a mustard seed. Jesus does not require robust faith to do miraculous things. The next verse proves this even further. Look with me at verses 30 and 31. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, "'Lord, save me!' Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, "Oh, you of little faith,' Why did you doubt? So Peter shifted his gaze from Jesus to the surrounding circumstances. Relatable, right? We all do this. And when he looked away from the face of Jesus and back to the storm, he was afraid. And in his fear, he began to sink. This was the same storm that a moment ago had him fearing for his life. The same storm that kept him and his friends up all night now he's out in the middle of it. He's walking on top of it. Maybe friends, following Jesus doesn't look like your storm calming down. Maybe following Jesus looks like walking straight into the thing that you're most afraid of. In our own lives, wind and waves, or whatever you want to call them, torment us daily. And just as it was easy for Peter to sink in the midst of following Jesus by looking at all the things that he was afraid of, it's easy for us too. Peter didn't walk on water because he had strong faith, friends. He was mixed with doubt. He literally responded to Jesus with, Lord, if it is you. Peter walked on water because Jesus was able. Able to both command and and empower Peter to walk on water, to both command and empower him to carry out the commandment at the same time. Peter walks on water because of the power of Jesus, not because of his own abilities, not because of his own abilities. And if you're going to survive walking into whatever storms you're facing, it will be because of Jesus who's able to empower you as well. It will not be because because of any of your own abilities. It won't be because of any strength you can muster up on your own. We cannot sustain our own faith, friends. We cannot. We're never intended to. When Peter starts to sink, he cries out this beautiful prayer, which is available to each of us today. He says, Lord, save me. It's The prayer of both the bold disciple and the miserable sinner. Let me say that again so you can hear that. Lord, save me is both the prayer of the bold disciple and the miserable sinner. We're all invited. We're all invited to say that. And all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he saved Peter. Peter. I want to encourage you, friends, to cry out to Jesus tonight. Lord, save me. He is faithful, and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. After after saving Peter, Jesus responds to him with, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, I have to confess something to you. When I was assigned this passage to preach, I was not very happy about it. Not happy at all, in fact. Some of you know that I got both of my degrees from Liberty University. Some of you are rolling your eyes at me right now because I talk about this so much. (laughs) It's the largest Baptist university on the East Coast. But needless to say, I'd heard this passage talked about so much. It's a familiar favorite in Christian culture. And I was talking with Jason... Uh, while we were having a moment of editing my outline for this, and I looked at him and said, you know, I've never once read this passage or heard it preached and thought to myself that Jesus is kind. Not once, not once have I thought to myself that Jesus is kind. I would hear the words, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And it would feel like an attack from Jesus. Maybe some of you can relate. Because the passage doesn't tell us his tone of voice, does it? And it made me so upset that I could not hear the tone of Jesus' voice while he was saying this. And when I don't know things, I have the tendency to make up in my head how I think they should be or how I think they would sound based off of personal experience. So it felt to me in my life experience that Jesus was looking me straight in the eye and he was disappointed in me for all of my imperfect faith. Now, I'm not sure how you read this passage personally, but I want you to read the next two verses with me and watch what actually happens after Jesus responds to Peter. It's been something so encouraging to me in the process of actually writing this sermon and being able to share it with you guys. Verses 32 and 33. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. However you read this text, and however you hear the voice of Jesus, whether it's like me or whether it's not, you need to know two things. One, Peter followed Jesus back into the boat after he spoke those words to him. And two, he worshiped Jesus when he got back in the boat. He felt no shame, friends. He felt no need to hide. So, regardless of what Jesus' tone was, we know that Peter responded to him in worship. For those of you who came to win a retreat, how encouraging is this? No shame and no hiding. It's beautiful. Jesus' words actually moved Peter into greater intimacy with himself. As most of his words, if not all of them do. How lovely. So they get back in the boat together, and the wind stops. It just stops. Jesus doesn't say anything to the wind. It just obeys him. know, friends, that the things that torment you the most bow to Jesus. And he doesn't have to speak a word, they just do. Please know that he's got his hand outstretched towards those who cry out to him. Tucker talked a little bit about that last week, about Jesus extending his hand to this man who had been sick for so many years and asking him if he wanted to be well. Jesus has his hand outstretched towards those who cry out to him. He is known to move towards those who are in need of saving, friends. In just a moment, we'll take a minute of silence to reflect on what God may be doing in our hearts. This is something we do every week as a means to um, escape from the noise that so often bombards us. And then Jason will invite us to the Lord's table and we'll take communion together right before we end the night in worship. But again, I want to encourage you, friends, to cry out to Jesus because he's available and all he needs is a willing heart. Let's take a moment to reflect on what God is up to